Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and joining me today is Angel Surstead with Metropolitan Library System to share how the library is responding to the needs of the community in the digital age. Plus, she'll share some surprising programs, experiences, and opportunities you might not know that your local library offers. Welcome, Angel. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, thank you, Erin. I appreciate it. So naturally, I have to start us off with a question about books. Angel, what was the best book you read in 2022 and the book you're most looking forward to reading in 2023? Well, the curse of every librarian, everybody that works in a library <laughs> is we check out tons of things and maybe read a third of them. Um, so there's lots of books that I've checked out over the year that I've just been dying to get into, like Bono's new by autobiography and I was busy reading other things so I had to turn it back in and I'll preserve it again and but uh one of the books that I read recently that I really really enjoyed is called I'm Wearing Tunics Now by Wendy Ahrens and she is a comedy writer she writes for McSweeney's and the whole story is all about women getting getting a little older a little more settled in the world uh, more confident in themselves I, I turned 50 in a couple months and so I I found this very resonating and it's very funny. It's a quick read. I spent way too much time reading portions of it out loud to my husband while he was trying to like watch soccer or something. There's like some big soccer event. <laughs> um, and taking pictures of like little notes within the book and texting them to my old girlfriends because it's just like, oh my gosh, this is us. You know, our bodies have like changed and our minds have changed, but we don't feel old yet. So that's that's one that I, I would highly recommend and I loved it. And it's funny because I was trying to think of what am I really looking forward to for next year? And there's a bunch of books there, but one of my favorite, I don't really read a lot of horror. It's not my normal jam, but there's an author named Grady Hendrix who has a book coming out um, in the spring of 23 called How to Sell a Haunted House that he writes such unique and funny books that I think that's probably why I enjoy it. It's just not gore like some horror books are. He's got one that he wrote a few years ago called Horror Store, which the book itself looks like an Ikea catalog um, and has like drawings of things with weird names inside that you can buy, but they're all related to the story. But it's about a a, a giant store like an, like an Ikea, but not an Ikea that has been buried on top has been built on top of a prison graveyard and ghosts keep coming and popping up and wreaking havoc with the sklargs and blargs and all the other Swedish things you get at Ikea or in this case the horror store. <laughs> so what about you? I enjoyed this year uh, starting the Harry Potter series with my three kids. We are um, partway through the fourth book now so that's been a really good Kind of bedtime routine for all of us and shockingly I had never read any of them so it's been fun to kind of discover the series with mm -hmm. my kids um, and then we reward ourselves by watching the movie after mm -hmm. we finish the book um, and I am like you I tend to have a lot of things I use the Libby app um, for the most part through the library and I typically have lots of things in my holds. And then it's, I get very panicked when they all come <laughs> available at, at one time, trying to decide what to read. Um, oh, yeah, my favorite, 
Libby is fabulous. My kids all use it. Uh, we are big fans. Um, my favorite book though that I read this year was actually written. It came out in 2003 and it was Kindred by Octavia Butler. And good. I am not really, I love historical fiction, but I'm not usually into the time travel aspect. Um, but this book was just incredible. I, I, I read it at the very beginning of the year and I'm still thinking about it. It's probably one that I'll reread in 2023. Um, and then I don't know that I have any specific books I'm looking forward to in 2023. I'm putting the ones you mentioned on my list now. Mm -hmm. um, but again, anything in that historical fiction genre is, is my jam for sure. Okay, so let's talk more about the library. Um, I know during the pandemic, um, my kids and I use the Metropolitan Library System even more than we mm -hmm. had before. And I felt <laughs> in the midst of the chaos in my household, very supported by all of the new programs and offerings that your team created through all the library locations. You really rose to the challenge of increasing accessibility for families in new and unique ways. So what were some of the key things that your team learned during the pandemic about increasing that accessibility, especially during the digital age? And how have you seen that enhanced accessibility make a positive impact on families? Absolutely. Those, uh, especially the early days of the pandemic were such scary times. I think probably everybody in the world felt the same way, but they don't teach you how to do anything when a pandemic takes over your your universe and so I have to give a ton of credit to you know our metro staff because we were non-stop it felt like non-stop creative problem solving for about the first 12 months or so uh, we were able to come up with we were one of the first libraries if not the first library in the nation to come up with a virtual reading to dogs program We'd had such a positive uh, program in person and our volunteer coordinator was able to reach out to a lot of the dog um, owners and they thought it was great too. So we would have like Zoom media, Zoom programs set up and you'd get put in a room with a dog and you would read and there'd be a library person in there just to make sure things didn't go awry. But it was comforting to listen to a lot of little kids read when when we uh, we couldn't you know, get into the buildings and, and do what we wanted to do. Uh, we moved a lot of our programs online. Some of our programs are staying online, which uh, we'd realized that was not something that we hit very hard beforehand. And we also have discovered that doing author visits are very, very expensive for libraries often because the authors want a, you know, pretty sizable per diem. Uh, but we discovered that doing author visits virtually are much more affordable and much easier on everybody involved. And so that was really cool to be able to bring more neat authors to our customers. Um, another thing we really ramped up was our take-home kits. When we couldn't have programs you know, in the library, we wanted families to have something to do. And so I'm blown away by what's what's offered with our take-home kits. And the majority of our libraries are still doing them for customers because they're they're fun opportunities for oops, for families to work together and spend some time together. And we try to just not do boring paper crafts. We we did a boba tea one and we've done lots of 
robotics ones. And, you know, if there's a theme, like November was Native American Heritage Month, we, we tried to have, you know, take home kits that were in that theme. And so that's been super successful. We've kept it up. If anybody is looking for a cool um, take home kit, check out our info magazine because we have them all listed in the calendar with the events in the back and take a field trip to maybe a library you haven't been to before. Um, another really cool thing was we really increased our, our uh, funding towards our digital collection like Libby and uh, our numbers are continuing to grow even now that the libraries are open again and we're actually in line to surpass 3 million checkouts for 2022 which that's incredibly cool because that puts us in the same group as like big library systems like Harris County and Houston and um, Los Angeles County and for example Los Angeles County has 60 locations and almost 9 million residents where we have 19 locations and closer to 3 million residents and we're right up with them when it comes to how active our users are with Libby that's that's says a lot for making a community of readers, which is is what we want more than anything. And then for, you know, there's so many folks out there that rely on the library for school, for business, for just day-to-day -day purposes. They don't have a computer at home. Maybe they don't have Wi-Fi at home. And that was one we really tried to figure out a good way to help our services. So in, we were able to up our Wi-Fi strength and so you could at least sit in the parking lot and access Wi-Fi. And I was the manager at Dell City at the time. And I was kind of crazy every morning when I would pull into the parking lot, there'd be six or seven cars there already with people on their laptops or their phones and their cars uh, getting stuff done. And what else did we do? We Some of our libraries are checking out uh, Chromebooks and laptops, which that we couldn't really do as much when we weren't open in some way but once we started to get where we had like the grab and go phase where you could you could do things like that we also started checking out uh, hot spots um, because that's really great uh, families discovered you can take them on vacation and boom you've got wi-fi for the kids in the back of the car for the entire road trip or you know it's not like ah we're struggling because we can't get connected to the the internet anymore so what else? I've put a few more notes here. Did you guys, was it during the pandemic that you ended fines? Yes, library? that actually started uh, July of 21. So okay. about halfway through the pandemic. And that's been amazing because I think people that don't understand the library think that um, fines are what, you know, really fund us, uh, but they were less than 3% of our revenue before we stopped charging for fines. We still charge for lost items, but you know, a lot of people just need an extra few days to get a book, a book read. So we went to fine free for everyone, not just kids, which was something we started right when the pandemic started. And uh, another thing we did is we have automatic renewals now. So if you are, you have a book checked out and you're not going to get it back by the two weeks or three weeks. We're going to do everything we can to renew it for you. And so you don't even have to worry about it. And if not, you'll get a message saying, Hey, you know, your 
book on Gone with the Wind is due in three days and we weren't able to renew it because someone else is waiting for it. That at least gives the customer kind of a heads up that, hey, get it started. Let's let's read this one fast so you can turn it back around so somebody else can enjoy it. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, we're constantly, nobody teaches you in library school how to reach your community differently. And I have met with so many librarians, not just here in Oklahoma, but all over the place that we're doing some wild things. And it, it's been great because I think it really helps us cement ourselves as like a heart of a community. We're more than just books. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think what's been most impressive to me as a mom is um, just kind of watching the way that the library system has listened to what your customers needs are and then figure out how to provide them. Like you said, knowing that there are people that need to be at the library to use the Wi-Fi um, to work, whatever the case may be, and then figuring out how to do that in a creative and still safe way during the height of the pandemic. Um, so from from all the parents, mm -hmm. in the metro, thank you for thank you. all I, of that hard work. Um, I know we started doing uh, outdoor programming as soon as we could. Yes. And that was another one. You know, we could do a story time outdoors. We did messy playtime, which is fabulous for the kids, maybe not so much for the parents, but <laughs> everybody has a good time. Um, it's great if it's not in your own house, though. Right. <laughs> you know, we did. We moved Dungeons and Dragons outline out, outside. We also have an online version. Um, several book clubs are still doing. Maybe now that the weather's getting pretty gnarly, they've moved back inside. But several of our libraries have book clubs that were meeting like in the courtyard or you know just right outside the building, so everybody could feel safe, but you know still connected. So great. So you've mentioned um, a couple of great virtual options that you still offer like those take-home kits are fabulous um but for working parents who maybe can't get their family to the library during the work week um, or people who don't live close to a library location what are some other programs or opportunities those families can take advantage of either virtually or maybe weekends or evenings in 2023 oh man um i it was really interesting for me because i I was at the Edmond Library for five years, and then I moved to Del City for five years before I moved into this role. And the communities are so different, but parents are kind of the same no matter where you go. And there's just such a need for kind of crazy scheduled programs or programs that, you know, at Edmond, they do a story time on Thursday night, I believe, that most of the kids come in their jammies because it's at 6.30 at night. And so you could go have dinner beforehand. You could go to story time and then go home and spend your evening. But you've got to do, do something as a family. Um, at Dell City, I won't talk about them constantly, but that's my, my home library. Uh, they started doing a family art night. And that has proved incredibly popular. Again, we don't do they don't do a lot of just very basic things. One day they were working on like big pieces and they had taught the class how to make wheat paste. So you can paste them up on like a brick wall or something. And it lasts for about a week until, you know, everything dries and the paste falls off. And I uh, would pull up at the library in the morning and there'd be like giant SpongeBob's 
stuck to the side of the building or giant come read at the library and it was I don't know if everybody wants that on the outside of their house um, but it was fun very fun and very you know kind of air we want to provide opportunities to do things that maybe kids don't do at school or maybe they don't do at home one of our libraries has a giant has built a giant loom to do some projects with families. And so, and the goal with that is once the, the, the big piece is finished, they'll, they'll hang it on the wall there in the library. And, you know, it's, here's results of, this is what you worked on. Um, we continue to do the take-home kits. Those are things that families love to do together. We've tried to um, make them interesting, not just to little kids. So it becomes, it becomes a project and enjoyable time. We have a lot going on for 2023, not a lot of huge changes to our programming, but we're, we're looking to offer more things in the evenings, more things on the weekends. Um, Dell City, and I promised last time I should talk about Dell City, they do a great robotics club on Sundays. Uh, and we've got, that's been going on for a few years and it's been incredibly popular. And we we get families that don't even live in our area that, sign up to bring their kids to to the program so that speaks to the quality of what we're offering um everyone can look at what we have either by going to metrolibrary.org backslash events or checking out our monthly info magazine because we have if you're looking for something to do we've got something somewhere that's going to work for you and that that's phrase <laughs> That is the truth. Um, one of the things I really appreciate as a working parent, especially during the week, are the emails I get based on each of my kids' ages and their interests. So I get a, a book recommendation for all three of them every week. And I think that started um, when we did the summer reading program. Mm -hmm. And so it's just continued. Um, and I love that. We can go straight to Libby. We can check the book out for them. And they've got a book to read for the week. Yeah, we finally started a few years ago a system for summer reading with a company called Beanstack, which is how you track your, your minutes read and programs attended and all that good stuff. It's the same program that Oklahoma City Public Schools uses for their kids to track reading. And we have a contract with them to where we can use it for all sorts of things. And so our winter reading challenge, which is more of an adult program, but anyone can participate will start in January. And that's something that we can track with, with the, with Beanstack. And the nice thing about that is they take the data and help us craft these emails so we can, you know, stay connected with our, our customers. Tell us more about that adult reading challenge for January. So I'm very excited. We do this every year, uh, starting in January. So January and February, I need to come in or we'll have it in the January, um, Info Magazine, and I think you may even be able to print a copy off online. It's a big bingo card, and each square will be like, you know, book recommended by a friend, book with a green cover, uh, book on social justice. Maybe we we try to go all over the place. And once you've read five books, you know, we consider that a bingo, even if it's not across or everything and you can come in and you get a we have a really cool coffee mug this year I think that's going to be our thing is is doing a different style mug every year and so this year it's 16 ounces which I'm super excited about because in the morning I always have to make a multiple cups of coffee because I don't, my cups aren't big enough um but then if you manage to 
make a blackout, which a lot of our customers do, you can turn your uh, bingo card in. And we have big drawings at the, the end of the program in February, which uh, we'll be giving away iPads and um, lots of other like technology that would connect with, you know, be useful to someone. We also are sponsored by uh, Slim Chickens for this program. And so once you've read the uh, the five books to get your mug, you also get some Slim Chickens uh, coupons for some free stuff. And they've been, they've been a good partner so far. I wish they had more locations because I think there's only five or six around here that I can think of. Um, so yeah, Winter Read Fest, it is for adults. Adults are the only ones that can win prizes. However, um, my child is in college now, but we they started doing it just for fun before they were old enough to to participate as an adult because you know it's just fun to have some spark to try reading some things that maybe you weren't familiar with in the past or comfortable with. That's how I found Grady Hendrix, the horror author, a couple of years ago. It was recommended by another librarian. And and I said, oh, this isn't my jam. And it's nice to find new things that you like reading. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know I've seen, um, on some of your social media channels, maybe on all of them that during those challenges, um, a lot of times you're putting out recommendations on, mm. Oh, are you stuck on a book with a green cover? Here are some great options for you. Or do you need a recommendation for a book about social justice? Here are some of our favorites. So I love that not only are you doing the challenge, but you're also helping people figure out which books to read in, in each area. We also have a service called Tailored Titles. And you can either go on our website and you can fill out a form saying, you know, you can do it for yourself, for your kids. This is what we've read. This is what we like reading. Um, this is what we're interested in reading. Maybe things that you want or don't want, like maybe you don't want a lot of language, or maybe you want uh, more language, who knows? <laughs> and so those come in and those get distributed to, we have a team of tailored titles librarians and they get distributed to us and we will, you know, craft up a pretty good list of, of suggestions for, for customers. Usually when I have one, I, I come up with, you know, 10 to 12 new things that maybe they would like reading. And we have a tailored titles virtual um, every other week online on Facebook. And it's a time where you could just text, you know, put in the text uh, or the comments. I just read uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. What's another book that might, you know, talk about Oklahoma history in that way. And that's staffed live. We've got people responding in, in real time. So it's, it's a fun program. It's it's, that's so cool. That's one of the things librarians love the most is telling other people good things to read. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I am going to sign up for that in cool. 2023. That's perfect. Um, okay. And so for those families who can visit the library more often in person, I know you're in the process of bringing back so many of the story times, the classes and events that many of us missed during the height of the pandemic. What are some of the favorite programs for families or new programs we need to know about for 2023? So favorites are, you know, story times, reading to dogs is always fun. Um, we try to do some of the, some of the libraries have Taekwondo and some other sort of physical activity pro programs, which maybe you wouldn't 
normally align with a library, but we, we want to do more than, than just, you know, increasing a child's literacy is of utmost importance, but we also want kids to have fun. We want kids to have new experiences. Um, one, and every library has its own flavor when it comes to programming. So I, it's hard to pick a favorite, but to tell people, you know, try a few, take a little field trip and go to multiple libraries that maybe you haven't been to before and see where, see where you fit best. Um, one big thing that we have coming downtown is our Americans in the Holocaust music exhibit. And that's, that's going to be here starting January 5th. Uh, we were supposed to have it before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened. So that got put on hold. It's uh, from the Smithsonian and they only pick 50 locations across the country to host the exhibit. So we're the only one in Oklahoma. It's uh, going to have multiple book clubs and programs going on at other libraries that sort of tie into this. Uh, one of the things we do is called the Big Read, which is everybody in the community has access at the same time digitally. And we have several print copies as well of a single book so we can discuss discuss it as a community and, and talk about it together. And for um, to go along with this event, we have When the World Was Ours, which is a, a really good novel by Liz Kessler based on her parents' experiences during the Holocaust. And it's actually, it's a JFIC book. It, it's something that if you're at about a fifth or sixth grade reading level or up, it would be a good, a good book to read. Um, but it's not so juvenile focus that it wouldn't be of interest to adults. So we wanted to make the reading level something where as many people could participate as possible. And we wanted to make it something that's also really engaging. Uh, what else? We're going to have speakers. We have a, a woman who actually was, was in a concentration camp in World War II. I believe she's in her late 90s. And we are bringing her down from Tulsa in bubble wrap. Uh, to take care of her, and she's going to talk at our um, our grand opening for the exhibit, which is going to be on the 5th downtown. These aren't really, um, it isn't what I would consider like a family event, like you're going to have fun. It's, it's a heavy topic, but I think it's going to launch some real good conversations that, that families need to have. So I, I mean, I know that every deep conversation my kiddo and I had throughout junior high and high school was, you know, in the car, driving them someplace. And, and it's nice to, to have something to think about and expand your mind on. So that's, that's kind of what's going on here. I love um, how intentional the library system is about creating opportunities for those hard conversations. Um, and I know you have said that this exhibit tweens and up is kind of mm -hmm. who the age range that that yeah. is appropriate for, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think there's, I have not seen the whole exhibit. I've seen pictures from it. There are probably pictures that are maybe a parent would not think is appropriate for a child to look at, but it is, it is through the Smithsonian. It is very vetted. Um, it's getting really rave reviews in other locations where the exhibit's been placed. So I, I'm really comfortable bringing it into our community. But yeah, that tough topics things. Um, we've even created posters and bookmarks for several locations that we put in the teen area and that are like, do you want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about this? You know, things that maybe a kid's not ready to talk to their parents about. Um, are they... Or they have a, maybe they've got a friend going through something and they want to be able to help them, but they 
don't quite know how. And so, and teens are notoriously great at not asking librarians for help. So, so we wanted to make it as easy as possible for, for them to find the resources they're looking for. But yeah, that's that's what we're here for. I mean, amongst other things, but starting those conversations, having those conversations with your family and your friends. and Absolutely. I know um, another exciting thing coming up this year is the system is expanding with two new locations, a new Almonte Library and a new Edmond Library location. So we've already heard, obviously, there's a need to expand your services because the community is responding and continuing um, to ask for more from the library. Uh, tell us what we can expect from these two new locations. So um, our director, Larry White, uh, interfaces with the uh, the mayor of Oklahoma City frequently at different events and pretty much every event that he comes to goes to he comes back saying yeah mayor Holt wants to put a, a library over here he wants to put one over here and I love that um the way our library buildings are funded is the building itself is paid for by the community the, the library is in so Almonte is paid for with maps money uh when I was at Dell City we built a new library that building was built by the city of Dell City. And then the library comes in and, and staffs it and fills it with tech books and technology and operates it. So they're, they're partnerships and we would love to have a library on almost every corner, but you know, we also don't have the money to quite do that. Um, Almonte is a really cool one because it started in a shopping center at Southeast 59th and May, gosh, probably 13 or 14 years ago, because the Southern Oaks Library, which was their closest library, had to shut down for some remodeling. And they didn't. we didn't want to lose an opportunity to provide services to that area. So people started coming over to where Almonte is, and it was kind of thought to be, oh, this will just be a temporary location. When we open back up, we'll just close it down and go back to, to where we were. It was so popular that we realized we needed to keep it open. Um, so it has operated in a shopping center strip mall its entire life. And that's not, it's pretty limiting in what you can do and how much space you have. So I'm thrilled to give them a new, a new location. It's right across the street. So it's not going to be harder to get to. It's more than twice the size of, of the space we're in now. It's going to have a makerspace, which is something a few, only a few of our libraries have. And that's a really neat thing to to uh, expand throughout the system. And, you know, it, it's, that one should be open, I believe, by the end of 2023. From what I've heard so far, they're a few weeks ahead of schedule, but it's also pretty early in the project. So, and we know in Oklahoma that usually our craziest weather is <laughs> closer to springtime sometimes, you know, how many spring breaks have we had snow? <laughs> so, we might get stuck a little bit. And then Edmund too, that's that's gonna be crazy because um, I know people have been asking for a new Edmund library for at least as long as I've been with the library system or a bigger Edmund library or more parking because that's, a, that's our most, it's the busiest library in the state, but we're really landlocked by the location. And uh, five years or so ago, we were able to add about 20 parking spaces. And that was, that barely, made a dent. So we opened up a, a kiosk over in Mitch Park in West Edmond called the Metro to Go. And that's a spot where if you have, just have holds to pick up, 
you can pop over there, just pick up your holds. If you have books to return, drop them off there. You don't have to try to get all the way over to, to the main library. And then we have, a, it has a section, well, small selection of just popular books. Even if you have nothing to read, um, you're just dying for anything. I bet you can find something that, that would work and you know can stay on the west side of Edmond if that's where you live or work. Um, the new library uh, will be our first Edmond library on the east side of, of I-35. It's gonna be at I-35 and 15th Street. Uh, it's a partnership project with the YMCA and Henderson Hills Church was was generous enough to donate some land to the city for this project, and so we're going to have a. Um, it's a will be a pretty big complex, and it'll be the YMCA on one side and the library on the other side. The library side is expected to be about seventy five thousand square feet, which is, is sizable. That's um, much bigger even than I think was discussed in the beginning. And we're also excited because we're good, we hope we'll be able to do a lot of programs with the YMCA. And being so close to Lake Arcadia, we see opportunities for programming there. Um, I don't have a, it's still in the planning stages, but I know ideally the goal is to have it open by 2025. So. That was very exciting. That one's really exciting. Cause yeah, for years we talked about, could we put a parking garage on top of the library? You know, um, and downtown Edmond just on its own is exploded kind of thanks to the pandemic and, and, you know, everything downtown having to kind of change the way they do business. So parking is at a premium. Definitely. And um, the kiosk at Mitch Park is darling. Mm -hmm. um, my family and I discovered that probably about a year ago. Nice. And there's plenty of parking there usually. Mm -hmm. And it's perfect if you are at Mitch Park for kids Sporting events or just enjoying the trails or playgrounds over at Mitch Park, it is a very easy place, like you said, to pick up holds or drop off things you need to return. Edmonds growing in every direction. Yeah. And um, yeah, we I think originally like Northwest Library was constructed to kind of take some pressure off of Edmond, but nope, it 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 just created more customers and more people moving to the west side. Um, and with Edmond too, obviously more people moving, you know, to the east side. And, you know, we'd love to have a library as close, as convenient as possible for, for everyone. So the, the Mitch Park kiosk was kind of a good compromise for what we could do at the time. That's great. And let's talk more about those makerspace or MLS labs. This is such a cool opportunity that families might not be aware of. So right now, the Belle Isle and Bethany locations both have a makerspace studio where patrons can access 3D printers, engravers, STEM programming, and lots more cool equipment. And other library locations do have access to a maker cart um, with some of those same offerings on a smaller scale. So tell us more about what the lab includes and how community members can access the lab. The labs are the labs are so cool, and I, I've been I've spent some time over at the uh, one at Belle Isle recently because we're filming a commercial that kind of focuses on what we can do with the um, MLS Studios, which is kind of our formal name, but we all just call it the Makerspace. Uh, they have a three D printer, of, and I was there the other day, and the librarian that kind of runs that space was telling me that a, a realtor had come in and printed like thirty key key rings for customers that was like a small promo 
that they didn't want to buy a thousand of them from you know just you know promos to go or whatever and so we were able to to help them with that project we've got button makers so if your kid is running for student council you can go in you can make wicked looking buttons uh, we have a we have wood burning kits we've got an embroidery sewing machine um which is really cool i have not i have like two or three things at home and i'm like i want to write something on these and so i need to make an appointment and and go in to, to do that on, our, on the embroidery machine uh, both of the uh, maker spaces have um, Mac and window-based computers with the full uh, Adobe Creative Suite on them and also the software to create 3D models for the 3D printer. Uh, Bethany has uh, a green screen and they've got uh, lighting and equipment, uh, recording equipment so you can do your podcast at the library. Uh, and then the maker carts, we did those for several of the libraries that didn't have space to put in a dedicated maker space. And so the carts have a 3D printer. They've got, you know, just an assortment of different tech tools that librarians can bring out um, for programs and things like that. And I just, the meeting I just came out of, they were talking about how at the Capitol Hill Library, they've put their um, 3D printer up, like right pretty much at the reference desk and they, they have it running every day when the junior high kids come over after school. And so it's it's garnering a lot of interest. Uh, right now um, at the two maker spaces, we encourage you to make an appointment to come in to schedule a time. You can do that online or you can call the library. It just because there's they're they're getting really popular and we want people to have the time that they need to to do the work that they want. Uh, at some point we might, this is still might have to charge some for materials, uh, but at this point, things are still free. And that's the way the library would really like to keep it. So please, I hope people will come and enjoy it, so. And there are, in those Makerspace studios, there are staff there that can help you learn how to use all the equipment and answer questions about your projects. Yes, um, yeah, uh, the two locations that have one open now have both have dedicated staff that they they have figured out every piece of tech we've got in there and how to safely show someone else how to do it and and so that's really nice because if you asked me you know how do I print this on a 3d printer <laughs> I'm a librarian I would probably try to find like a, a an instruction book somewhere but <laughs> but yeah you, you don't have time for that your kids just wants to go in and make some little cool figurine um, let us help you out that is so cool. That's awesome. Um, I I do have confidence that those are the kinds of things my nine-year-old can usually figure yeah. out um, for me. But he he's my kid that I need to make an appointment and come in and mm -hmm. check out the equipment because he would love it. Awesome. As we close out our conversation today, Angel, how can families encourage their kids to enjoy reading this year? And how can our local libraries help us in that endeavor? It's harder for some families than others. Um, I got really lucky. I, I'm a bookworm. My husband's a bookworm. We, we raised a bookworm. Um, so it was never hard to, to convince them to, to do their reading. But, you know, one thing I think that's the best thing that families can do is be good role models. Um, read for fun at home. You know, don't go, ah, oh, I've got to read this. Uh, um, when kids see you reading, it's, it's, 
makes a little more sense why they should be reading too. Uh, you know, we count audiobooks as reading. And so when you're going on a road trip, pick a fun audiobook, Harry Potter or something. You can all enjoy it in the car together. You, it sparks those conversations like we talked about. Um, winter reading bingo, like I've talked about, um, that's another, that's a good opportunity for parents to start modeling good reading habits and, you know, bring your kids on field trips to library locations. You know, uh, it's always fun when somebody comes in, let's just say to a program at War Acres and they're like, oh yeah, I usually go to programs at Southern Oaks, but you had this program and I wanted to check it out. And for the kids, it's really fun to check out a new space and, you know, meet with new new librarians and, and things like that. Um, it's, it's kind of, I can't give a scientific answer on how you get your kid to love reading, but exposing them to books and the library and being a good role model are probably the biggest, best places to start. And thankfully, we have a library system that offers so many incredible opportunities. Like you said, we can all find something um, that will mesh with our child's particular interests or passions. We love it. And I mean, so many of our librarians and other staff come from not, not just reading backgrounds. You know, you've got people that have got into librarianship from teaching or from technology. I, I used to work with a woman that her master's was in geology, and then she started getting into libraries and was really the person to go to for science questions and things like that. So, um, you know, we're not all just kind of sitting around going, shh. <laughs> we, we, it's, it's, every library has its own flavor and every library has, has, you know, cool, unique people working there that, you know, we are all sharing the same passion, which is we, we want to just get as many people in our community to experience and grow from our services. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me today, Angel, for all of the incredible information you've shared with us. I know I am walking away with new things I didn't even know about the library system that I am excited to take advantage of for my family this year. So well, thank you so much for having me. And to anybody listening, come see us um, or check us out online at metrolibrary.org. Yes. Learn more about all of the things that we have talked about today, all of the great offerings at the Metropolitan Library System on their website, metrolibrary.org, as Angel shared. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.